Good morning. Well, I got to say that this is a first for me, preaching at my father-in-law's church. That's pretty cool. Uh, I've been really excited to sell, uh, to be with you all this morning, and I'm thankful for this privilege to be able to share God's word with you. Um, but I have to be honest that one of the reasons that this worked out was because a while back, Scott and I were talking um, about this Sunday that he needed some coverage, and I was getting ready to uh, preach at my home church, at Resurrection Covenant Church, uh, around the theme of God's love. And so put those two together, um, except that at, at ResCov, where I worship, we've been in our own series on the saints of the church. Not necessarily canonized saints, but women and men who have died and whose lives point us to Christ and model for us how to faithfully follow him. These are the women and men who make up uh, and have been added to that list that we find in Hebrews 12 called the great cloud of witnesses that surround us. And so the saint that I chose to preach on is Catholic priest, professor, and writer Henry Nouwen. Perhaps some of you have heard of him and how he uniquely taught and exemplified God's love for us. So just wanted to give you all a heads up as to why Henry Nouwen will show up quite a bit in this sermon as a way for us to explore and dig into God's love for us and the world. So would you pray with me? God of life, who indeed gives us breath in our lungs each day. God of love, who calls each one of us by our true name. Beloved child of God, we thank you for this time and place where we gather around your story of love, a story centered around the person, death, and resurrection of Jesus. We ask that you would be with us this morning as we continue to worship. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be pleasing to you, O God, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. So I first learned of Henry Nouwen in college. He was required reading for uh, our first year. I went to a Christian liberal arts school. It was a short book on leadership uh, called In the Name of Jesus. To be honest, I wasn't all that impressed by it. Uh, it wasn't until after college that uh, I read a powerful little book on prayers that Henry, uh, Henry Nouwen wrote called Heart Speaks to Heart. And that was when I began to be captured by Henry's writing. And yes, we are going to be referring to Henry by his first name. kind of think he would appreciate that. Then in seminary and in pastory circles, I, Henry kept showing up, and he kept eliciting what some of us call mbombs. You may think you don't know what mbombs are, but most church folk do. It's when you hear something powerful, typically in a sermon, and you respond by saying, mm, mm. it's kind of like shorthand version for like preach or that's right. It's like a quieter version. Mm. And so this is the kind of feedback that we preachers live for. And so I, I'm counting on you all to drop me some bombs along the way this morning, right? Back to Henry. So Henry was born in 1932 in Holland, where he grew up Catholic with both of his parents and his three younger siblings. 
He always knew he wanted to be a priest. In 1957, he was ordained to the priesthood. Instead of going straight into a parish, Henry was given permission to do something unusual, to study psychology. So for over a decade, first in Holland and then in the United States, um, Henry immersed himself in the study of the human experience and its intersection with faith and religion. Although he earned a graduate degree, he was never able to finish his doctorate, which, which would later on become a source of insecurity for Henry. Uh, Henry's path led him to teach pastoral theology at Yale for 10 years and then at Harvard for a handful of years. Throughout this time, Henry became a highly sought-after speaker and writer. And you can look him up on YouTube. He was known for his engaging and animated way of speaking and communicating. On the surface, it seemed as though Henry had it all together. He was living this dream life of successful professor and priest. But on a deeper level, Henry struggled with the competitive pressures and demands of being an Ivy League professor and a religious public figure. Although often surrounded by people and having a full schedule, he grew lonely and wrestled with his insecurities and his desire to find approval. And sometime in his early years as professor at Yale, he came out as gay to his close friends, no longer wanting to live in denial. For much of his life, he would continue to struggle with his sexuality, with the tensions of how to live in the truth while honoring his vows to celibacy. Henry spent the last decade of his life in what is called large daybreak community in Ontario, Canada, serving as pastor to a community made up mostly of individuals uh, with disabilities and those who help them with their daily needs. He continued to struggle with intense loneliness and depression but in these years, as he lived side by side, some of the most forgotten and vulnerable in society, he produced some of his most rich and impactful work. On a trip to the Netherlands promoting his book, Return of the Prodigal Son, Henry died unexpectedly at the age of 64 from a sudden heart attack. In the end, Henry published 39 books and wrote hundreds of articles. His book selling over 7 million copies in 30 different languages. Much of his life, much of his writing centering around themes of the inner life and pastoral care. Henry left a large imprint in the world of Christian spirituality that continues to impact us today. What has been most formative for me and what I find myself going back to are Henry's reflections on our belovedness. There are several approaches that Henry takes to fleshing out what it means to be the beloved. And so this morning, I want to walk us through a couple of those ways. The first one is by looking at the parable of the prodigal son from Henry's book, Return of the Prodigal Son. Many of us are familiar with that parable, right? This dramatic tale of a younger son doing the unthinkable in Jesus's day and culture. Essentially, wishing his father to be dead in order to receive his inheritance and then running off and spending, spending it all. When he finally hits rock bottom and realizes what he had done, he concludes that he'd be better off as one of his father's servants. So he makes the trip back home. 
But before his father, before he sees his father, his father sees him and runs to him and embraces him. The younger son right away expresses his deep remorse over what he has done. That all the father seems to care about is getting a party started to celebrate his son's return. The older brother hears about this and is beside himself. How could his father act so ridiculous over his younger brother after all that he had done? And considering that he had worked so hard all those years and was never once given a celebration like that, the older brother refuses to even step foot into the party. The parable ends with the father pleading with his son to join them, reminding him that all that he has is really his. And that they were celebrating the son that, had, that was lost and had been found. Henry loved this parable. But what made this parable come alive for him was a painting by Rembrandt entitled Return of the Prodigal Son, which then later on inspired his book. He was so captivated by this painting that he traveled all the way to St. Petersburg, Russia, to spend time with the original painting. So for several days, Henry lived inside this parable through this painting. He spent hours gazing, studying every detail, every light and shadow of Rembrandt's work. For a while, he was convinced, like most of us, I think, uh, that he was like the younger son who had returned home. But later, he was moved to see himself more as the older son. Not only was Henry the oldest of his siblings, but he was the priest, like the one who did the opposite of wild living, the one who never ventured away from his faith, but who stayed in the faith for good. And he also had another thing in common with the older son in the story. He had a hard time connecting with his earthly father and receiving his love. The more he entered the story, the more Henry realized just how much he was like the older son. That he, like the older son, was inclined to a different kind of what Henry calls lostness. Uh, the kind of lostness that happens while never leaving home. Henry described this as being lost in judgment and bitterness. And he, write, and he wrote, The lostness of the resentful saint is hard to reach precisely because it is so closely wedded to the desire to be good and virtuous. And so Henry grew to have empathy for this older son. For whatever reason, Henry thought, the older son must have never experienced his father's love, and it left him chained to obedience and duty, resulting in resentment and anger and the, and the inability to enter into his father's joy. For Henry, both of the sons were beloved to the father. Both had experienced being lost and both were extended great compassion and love. As Henry's eyes were open to this new reality, he sensed God as that divine parent come alongside of him, claiming him anew as God's beloved child. And Henry wondered what it would be like for his readers to put themselves into the story too as the older or the younger son, perhaps a mixture of both, receiving love and affirmation. But then he invited his readers to go even further and to imagine themselves 
as the father in the story, as the one lavishing that love and affirmation. Because for Henry, our call as the beloved is not only to receive God's love, but to be those who give it away. For Henry, that was the hidden gem in this parable, this call to emulate the compassionate father. But in order to do that, in order to have that great capacity to love as the father loved, Henry knew that we must first allow ourselves to be loved. One of the reasons why I think Henry's, Henry's writing and speaking has touched so many people is because Henry speaks the language of struggle, which to me is the language of simply being human. As I shared earlier, Henry suffered deeply uh, with his past wounds, with his loneliness, with feeling unworthy. And Henry found a way to share his afflictions and give permission to all of us that it's okay, that it's more than okay to struggle, to be human. In Return of the Prodigal Son, Henry shared, there is seldom a minute in my life that I'm not tempted by sadness, melancholy, cynicism, dark moods, somber thoughts, morbid speculations, and waves of depression. Elsewhere, he wrote, at a very deep level, I wonder if I really believe that God loves me and that I can trust fully in that love. I keep running into feelings of rejection and depression and keep discovering how much these feelings are connected with my family history. How vulnerable. How transparent is that? I love that Henry so courageously puts into words what I think many of us, or at least I, sometimes have a hard time admitting and articulating. That it's not always easy to receive God's love. It's not like we can flip a switch and all of a sudden our past and present pain or our issues around love, receiving love, all of a sudden they go away. For most of us, living into our identity as the beloved is a process that takes time. And sometimes there is some healing work that needs to be done in order for us to do this risky thing called receiving and trusting in God's love. I so appreciate that Henry did not just uh, write about these grand and beautiful ideas about being the beloved, but that he wrestled with them that he himself shared with us his humanity as part of the journey of being the beloved. Another way Henry gives us to enter into this journey of the beloved is through the sequence that we hear or witness every time we break bread together at the Lord's Supper. In communion, we listen to or we often reenact how Jesus took the bread. He blessed it or he gave thanks over it broke it, and he gave it away to his disciples. Take, bless, break, and give. Henry calls these the, the four movements of the spirit of love that shapes our identity as the beloved. So first, God takes us, or perhaps a better way to describe that is God chooses us, and not in an exclusive or forced way, but in a gentle and specific way. God sees us in all of our uniqueness. And with love and tenderness, God comes to us first, like the father who runs to greet his younger son. So first, God takes us. Second, 
God blesses us. Just like we pray during communion a blessing over the bread. We give thanks for it and we call it a good gift from the earth. God does a similar thing to us. When you break apart the word blessing in Latin, and my brother-in-law, Greg, can attest to this as he studied and taught Latin, is that it means to speak well of someone. It means to literally, there we go. Thanks, Greg. <laughs> it means to, to, to literally say good things. Um, and, that, and that's where our benedictions come from. We end our worship with a word of blessing. Good things spoken over us. Right after the, the son confessed what he had done to his father in the story, his father's first words to him weren't, yeah, let's talk about that. Let's talk about how you royally messed up. No, his first words to him, his first actions toward, toward him were of blessing, of affirmation, of, of joy, of getting a party started. I imagine at some point they must have had some um, cloak, like a, a conversation which had some closure and had, and he spoke forgiveness over his son. But first, but first, the father blessed him and celebrated him as his precious child. God takes us and then God speaks blessing over us. God begins there by calling us good. The third movement is that we are broken. It's the reality that we are wounded and have wounded others. Henry makes it clear that it's not something that God does to us, but it's how God responds to our brokenness that's important. First, that God comes alongside of us and experiences our wounds with us, namely through Jesus' death and suffering. And second, that God works through our brokenness and invites us to embrace our brokenness and as he put it, to bring our brokenness into the light of the one who calls us beloved. God takes our brokenness and weaves it into this greater narrative that we call God's story. Which leads us to the fourth movement of love. We're taken, blessed, broken, and given away. Henry wrote, in the giving, it becomes clear that we are chosen, blessed, and broken, not simply for our own sakes, but so that all we live finds its final significance and it's being lived out for others. I'm going to repeat that. So that all we live finds its final significance and it's being lived for others. God uses all of who we are, all of our story, as an extension of God's hospitality and love. Henry experienced this in his friendships with the people around him at daybreak. Even the most severely handicapped members shared themselves with one another and gave themselves to each other as a gift, sharing peace, joy, and kindness. He wrote, the longer I live in large, the more I recognize the true gifts in us. Seemingly, us seemingly non-handicapped people often remain buried uh, beneath our talents. The so visible brokenness of our handicapped people has in some mysterious way allowed them to offer their gifts freely and without inhibition. Most surely than ever before, I know now that we are called to give our very lives to one another and that in so doing, we become a true community of love. 
in my times of crisis or loss so far, what has been most healing and helpful for me is when I've been able to sit with those who've shared with me what feels like a part of themselves, a part in their journey that was difficult and that connects to mine. Those moments for me have been like food for my soul, as we like to say. I imagine many of us have experienced those sacred moments, or we've been the givers in those moments when we've watched how in the strangest and most surreal way, sharing a painful, broken part of our story somehow could be a source of hope and strength to the person who's listening to it. It doesn't make it all better or worth it. It doesn't erase the pain away, but it certainly puts our brokenness into a new light and into a larger context of God's story when we're open to being given away. Like many of you, I've been hearing and watching week after week, sometimes it feels like day after day, fresh news of horrific attacks around the world and in our country, of police brutality against people of color, of police being shot and killed, with our country and world feeling more and more divided, more fearful and hateful of one another, I'm convinced that the work that faith communities must engage in first begins at the core level of reclaiming human worth and dignity, beginning with ourselves, beginning with our own belovedness. It can be easy for me, at least, to think about this as sort of this kumbaya, sort of hippie type of work. Uh, but what I hear Henry calling us to is something much deeper and foundational. We as Christians use this language of belovedness, don't we? This language spoken over Jesus in, his, in the waters of his baptism and language that God continues to speak over us. They are words that, as Henry discovered, reach into our hidden places, words that speak good things over us and claim us for who we really are, beloved children of the Most High God, who are loved in all of our goodness, in all of our brokenness, and in all of our particularities. Henry was convinced that the more attuned we are to our belovedness, the more we know it and embrace it, the more attuned we will be to the belovedness of others, the belovedness of those who we call other as well. And as you all as a church community here at Naperville Covenant Church have been exploring, it's this love of God that we so desperately need for ourselves and that we so desperately need in order to be an outpouring of God's love to the world. It's God's love beating inside of this church inside of you all that takes you from these pews to the community and world around you, to doing a garage sale with a purpose, to Alden Estates Transitional Care, to Scott Elementary School, to partnering with Wyman, to Nicaragua, and to partnering with people from the Congo. These are real-life expressions of the deep and active love that flow in you all as the beloved. Henry Nouwen called, called us to, to the life of the beloved. As the beloved, we are taken, we are blessed, 
We are broken and we are given away. Like the compassionate father to his sons. Like bread for a hungry world. And like the broken and raised up body of Christ. So may we regularly, habitually posture ourselves to hear and receive our own belovedness. That we, that we may be transformed on this journey and learn to give God's audacious, God's deep, God's rich love away. Would you pray with me once more? Oh God, we are so thankful that you call us over and over again to receive this deep love, this often startling love that sees us for all that we are and embraces us, blesses us, heals us, and calls us to be a vessel of love for others. God, we ask that you would so deeply fill us with your love that it would just spill over onto the people and neighborhoods and places where you send us to. We ask all of this in the name of the loving triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen.